Welcome to Kev and Kev Talking Sports. I am Kev. Ooh, I'm Kev. And I'm Paul again. Yeah. Paul again. What's happening? Can't get rid of can't can't hope to even contain me. I'm oh, scared. can't shake him <laughs> off. I think this Paul is our first three-time visitor. <laughs> Five, I get a jacket, right? Like on SNL. Oh, it. sure. Yeah. No, <laughs> that hat looks great on you. Yeah. Get a coffee mug and a pin. <laughs> Uh, I appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. I, we got a lot, obviously, to talk about. This is, a, this is. I know we've all talked about this before, that that spring and, and fall are oftentimes our most favorite sports times because of the beginning and end of seasons. But, I, you know, I've become a big believer in, in summertime. You know, this time in June, you've got the NBA, you've got the NHL finals, you have the baseball season begins to kind of take shape by the time you get to the all-star break, you know, teams are beginning to sort of shake themselves out. So as much as I love the spring and the fall, the summer is, is really a, a good time to kind of see. Yeah. And then the, the endless NFL cycle, there's always stuff going on. So. Well, let, let's set it up real specific because today is June 15th and it's the eve of the U.S. Open in golf. And we're in the middle of, uh, we're getting through game five of the NBA finals. Yeah, it's the eve of game six. And game six is tomorrow night. So we got that to talk about. But it's so, the eve of the end of the NBA finals is what we're saying. It's the, <laughs> it's the eve of the second to last game of the NBA finals. <laughs> the Celtics are done, Kev. You can try as you might. Now the breathe, home crowd's going to pump them up. Breathe life into that corpse. They are done. Tomorrow is it for the NBA. Yeah, I think you might be right. As much as I want the Celtics to do it, I think you're right. They're just not ready. They're not just, they're just too disjointed. Yeah. Yep. They're not quite there. But on that note, we dabbled in a little bit of this discussion in our last episode and decided let, let's bring in the guy who knows this stuff, our NBA guru, Paul. So Paul is back for the third time, man. Welcome back, Paul. Thank you. I am excited to be here. Yeah. So tell us about the NBA finals and what's happening. I mean, we've been just throwing around our, uh, ill-equipped ideas about what's going on but what do you got so i think one of the most remarkable stats in all of this has been has been the turnover kind of thing that that whenever boston turns the ball over more than 15 times they lose and whenever they do it fewer than that they win and that really has been you know the the major determinant in in how the celtics play and and the fact that the celtics lost two games in a row for the first time you know last game they played I think is a telling reflection of that. Golden State only turned the ball over six times in game five. That is so, amazing. Yeah. For so a team game... that turns the ball over like a dozen times or more on average, for them to only turn it over six times is, is the reason why they won that game. Yeah. I mean, so game five, right? The, the, the plan seemed to be for the Celtics to take Steph out of the game, right? And they said, somebody step up. And so Wiggins did, I guess, right? Is that the guy? I mean, and can play. he do it again? I, but that's the thing, and, and this is I was talking with, with some people today, you know, who are who are watches the NBA, and and the, the thing is, is that if if it's not Wiggs, then it's Clay, right? I mean, they neither one of those guys took over the way you know that that Steph did previously, but but if they both contribute twenty one points and they both contribute assists, and Wiggins gets ten rebounds. I don't know that that team can be beat, right? Especially if they don't turn the ball over. And even if they only shoot 30% from three, as they did, you know, Steph was 0 of nine. Not even that. They're like 24%. Right. Yeah. 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 But if they can, if they can learn how to, you know, do that movement off the ball that they do and Draymond gets nine assists, then I don't, <laughs> I don't know. And had don't nine know technicals. That, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how that team, I don't know how the team loses. Right. I mean, so 
Are they going to play another game where they get fewer than 10 turnovers? Probably not. But can they convince the Celtics to give the ball up 16 times? Yeah, I think they can. And to me, that's going to be, you know, that's going to be the biggest thing. And, and I know the, the, the contemporary thinking here is that, you know, Steph is going to have a monster game after going over nine from three. Nope. I don't I, think so. I don't know. I mean, he's a great bounce back player. He's a natural shooter, but even if they're in Boston and the crowd's going to be angry and all that, I, I really think that the Warriors smell it. And I think, I think they feel like that this is a, a chance for them to put a punctuation mark on a season that nobody thought they'd have. And I, I, you know, again, I think Kerr is a great coach to keep them focused. I, I told somebody today, I was like, I hope that the, what they're doing right now is watching highlights from the time they were up three, one against Cleveland. And then they lost the finals. Cause to me, that's what they need to do to win. But you mentioned it earlier, Kev, that, that the Celtics just aren't, they're not there. There's not quite, I don't want to say championship pedigree. Cause I think that's, you know, as, as dumb as well, well. they've had but flashes. They've had, yeah. yeah they, they've had flashes though. And I think right. game five was about was learning. Okay. Mm-hmm. They knew they probably weren't going to win that game anyway, but they learned they could stop Steph. Mm-hmm. And now they're going to learn how to stop maybe one or two other guys, or maybe even just one guy for a stretch of time. That's all they need. And then they need to execute better on offense. That's the thing that, you know, Warriors were playing really good defense the other night. That's, that is very true. So they keep doing that. There's no chance for the Celtics, but I think they, I think it's a million percent, 100 million percent true that the Celtics are going to win game six and they're going to send this back to game seven. That's a lot of of percent. Yeah. I don't think there's any chance the Warriors are going to win. The refs are going to be against them. The crowd's going to be against them. Celtics are going to be hyped. The Celtics are learning. I don't think there's any chance. Now, game seven, Warriors will probably win. But all right, game, hold game on, hold, six hold, is all Celtics. Hold on. Probably pause. by 20 plus. Pause. Pause. Mark the tape. A Kev apology is forthcoming. <laughs> well, I like to set myself up for future content. So. At 3.42 in this episode, Kev, we will look back on this. I mean. 1,000 million. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I jumped the gun and I took Paul's thunder away. But I mean, I just can't help myself. No, I, I mean, again, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily a bad way to think. I, I mean, it's hard not to suggest that, you know, the Celtics can't lose three in a row. I mean, they haven't in like three months. And so yeah, there's that, right? that's the I get way. that. I, I, I do. I just, to me, there's a, there's a sentiment in, in at least my, you know, my mind that Golden State has, this is the culmination of a season that they didn't think they were going to have. And a lot of that, I think they finally recognize that you, you have to play every game like it's your last. And, and Steph getting hurt the other day in a pileup that he wasn't hurt enough to keep him out. I think all that stuff. I mean, I, I think to me, that's, that's the, 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 the buy-in that the Warriors have that gives them an advantage yeah. combined with the experience. If it was just two teams on a neutral court like it was in the bubble a few years ago, I don't, I don't know that I could pick. But, but to yeah. me, there's a, there's, a, there's a really a strong sense here that, that Golden State has, in their mind, some business to finish, and they want to finish it now and not necessarily wait till they get home. Um, yeah, but when you, just, when, you, when you talk like that, you sound like you know, the, the old Bulls, right? I mean, the dynasty teams that were really locked in and always just you know, knew they could do it if they wanted to. I don't see Golden State as being that kind of team. Definitely not. I mean, you know, this Golden State team is not the level of the Bulls or any other dynasties that we're used to saying, okay, when they want to win, they'll just do it. I mean, sorry, but I just don't see that. No, they're not on that level, but they do. They lean in that direction. I mean, they they might not be quite that great. Right. And I think the team they're playing is not of the level that a lot of the teams those Bulls had to face either. I mean, I think these Celtics 
and I can rant about this more in just a minute, but you know, I don't know that the Warriors need to give the Celtics a whole lot of help the way they shoot themselves in the foot and just kind of fall apart. But this series reminds me a little bit, Paul, of the Celtics heat in the Eastern Conference Finals where you had, it was two to two, but the heat had won like two quarters out of the 12 or however many it is over that those first several games. And you looked at it like, wow, this series is even and the Heat have a chance. But on the whole, I mean, the Celtics were just dominating them and the Heat had a couple of huge quarters to hang in there. That's kind of what these Celtics have done in the finals. You know, the Warriors are dominating every game, but the Celtics have had a couple of big quarters and squeaked out a couple of the games. And so it looked like a much closer series than it was. But man, game five just frustrated the hell out of me watching the Celtics. The turnovers, it's not even like the Warriors are doing anything. The Celtics are just so careless with the ball. They just yeah. throw it away. Well, and that's been that's been the moniker on, on Golden State. Again, a team that averaged more than 12 and a half turnovers a game all season, you know, for them to kind of be able to. And, and the thing that, that I think, you know, that you're talking about, Spoon, is, is, a, is pretty remarkable. To me, the, the most important outcome of game five was that the Warriors won the fourth quarter and they had not done that all series. Good and, point. And, and the, the sense that they could actually flip the, you know, flip the script and win the fourth quarter in a close game was very different from what had been going on in the entire series. And I know it was on the home court and all that, but, but that was, that was a, a minefield for the Warriors was the fourth quarter. And for them to be able to take a close game, a one-point game, only in a one-point game that they were leading because of a half-court shot from Jordan Poole, for them to be able to, to turn the fourth quarter into a victory, I think had to provide for them a great deal of confidence. Now, does that translate in a trip to Boston? Maybe not. Kev may be right. And, and I don't, I don't disagree, but, I'm but if we're talking about, if we're talking about some of those, those milepost markers to win that fourth quarter in a situation in which they had not been winning fourth quarters, even remotely, they'd been outscored by what 50 points in the fourth quarter. That's a pretty big get. And I, I promise mm-hmm. you, that's one of the things that Steve Kerr is talking about, you know, in, in the next, in the last. So, minute. but okay. So to that point though, this this long break between games certainly has to favor the Warriors, right? Yeah, I, I mean they they expended all that energy in the fourth quarter and got done what they needed to, and they don't have to turn around the next day, or the second to next day. They have they get three days of rest. It's beautiful. And there's a there's a thing to think about there. I'll be honest, I'm ignorant of this because for a long time the NBA Finals was two three two, and now yeah. it's two two one 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 again. And I honestly I I confess ignorance. I don't remember when that happened because I know for a long time it was the only final series that was two three two. It's and been was a while. Thing yeah. that, yeah, that that you know they talked about. Well, we prefer it and blah blah blah. But but now not only is it two two one one one, but there's a lot of time in between because they're trying to, to to block off so they don't interrupt the NFL or the NHL cycle. So mm-hmm. there's a study in there somewhere as well to be done about the nature of not just obviously what TV has done, blah blah blah, but but how much does rest seem to help older teams? Because clearly the Dubs are an older team than the Celtics. And if injuries were a bigger deal, it'd probably be something worth worthwhile. And you know what? I, and I'll stop talking here after this, but to me, that's actually, when, when you had me on last time, we talked about that as one of the things that injuries were going to decide this thing. I'm glad that hasn't been the case. I, I, I'm glad that the teams are healthy. Gary Payton is back for the mm-hmm. Dubs, that everybody seems to be healthy for the Celtics. I'm glad that that this isn't going to be one of those sort of, you know, not an asterisk final, but but we're not talking about, well, 
if so-and-so were here, it'd be a different story. And I'm, I'm glad that the teams are healthy enough to be able to actually play the way they should. Cause that's just, I hate that. I, I just, I really, I mean, I know injuries are a part of the game all that, but it's nice to see that both teams are fully healthy and that they can really sort of put their best lineups on the floor. Um, Cause that's not always the case. It would be got? like really cheap and dirty of me to say, I was hoping that Steph would be knocked out for game five. Yeah, that would be cheap. Should, I, should I not say that out loud? Don't say that out loud. Go back and cut that out. In Somewhere, the- Clay Thompson is <laughs> going to show up in your closet and karate chop. Oh. <laughs> he's, he's, he's been dying to get back on the floor, and he don't need you even talking that kind of mad juju. So, no, well, it, it, okay, so I just checked this. Uh, 2014 is when it switched back okay. to the 22111 format. Apparently they had made the change because of travel and television times and things like that. Mm-hmm. And eventually it just wasn't necessary anymore. And I think it, it was favoring the underdog more than the middle team. They yeah. would have liked, yeah. you know, yeah. so they switched back in 2014, but, uh, but your previous comment, Paul does bring me back to, to Steph and he, he played in game five, but as you all know, I mean, he, the, the three point streak was broken. He went over nine was Hooray. not quite himself is there any everybody was saying he looked fine and the injury wasn't a factor but maybe well they took him out of the game dude i mean they just hounded they, him they, and, and kev's right i mean if you're gonna if you're gonna game plan especially after he goes off of 43 in the previous game if you're if you're even doka your thought is i cannot let steph curry beat me in in san francisco i just i can't it, 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 and the Celtics know this very well, because when the Lakers used to play the Celtics in the 80s all the time, it used to be, you know, they'd make they'd make Danny Ainge beat you, right? If Danny Ainge can hit, you know, get 16 points from the elbow on the free throw line, then the Celtics are going to win. And what are you going to do? And and I think I think, you know, that was sort of the mentality that the Celtics had. And rightfully so, because up until then, people hadn't really been stepping up. But this is where I think that the Warriors are a little bit better off than the Celtics is to have more options is obviously Kavala Looney's not going to be good by himself but if he chips in eight or ten and then Wiggs chips in 12 or 14 and then Clay Thompson goes off for 20 and then Draymond Green is distributing the ball without you know attacking people with a, a scythe or whatever I think you you have a pretty good chance that that Golden State is going to wind up having enough scoring that they're going to win and that to me is the biggest difference because because if you're the Celtics if you're top three aren't going if smart and brown and right. and, and they're going you're just you're not going to win there just isn't enough there. pool has been really good as well yeah and um pool for the warriors been. so yeah i think that all points to one of the things that kevin and i have talked about with this series where the celtics they do have these kind of moments or stretches where they look dominant i mean they yeah. look awesome in essence when they're making three pointers and when they're making their shots but they're very inconsistent and guys like Marcus smart who just melted down in game five. I mean, that was really kind of horrible to watch. Yeah. But Tatum, I will reiterate what I said in the, the previous episode. I, I just don't think he's quite there yet. As far as a great player, you know, he, he vanishes in big moments. Now he does have some big moments as well, but there are a lot of these, you know, fourth quarters late in games, he does nothing. You know, he misses free throws, let alone three-pointers. Oh, they miss so many free throws. Yeah. And the, the body language, right? Again, I know that's putting a lot on it, but when you see a, a bad play, it it's not, okay, I'll get him next time. It, he just seems to sort of suck into himself. And and the, the body language is 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 not great. And mm-hmm. and I I think those are the things that that experience that the Warriors have can bring you is okay I turn the ball over but I won't do that next time 
as opposed to the Celtics are like, you know, they, they tighten up a little bit when they turn it over because they're not. That's a great play. point. That's a perfect point. That that explains the difference between the two teams, I think, perfectly. And there, I, there's a steadiness there. I mean, it's funny because I, I guess it was my son. They put up a graphic in that game, game five, where the Warriors had missed their last 14 three-point shots. And as soon as I mentioned that, <laughs> they made their next three in a row. Yeah, and that's what they <laughs> and, do, yeah. Yes. And that's what they do. You know, there's a steadiness there and a calmness, whereas the Celtics, it's almost like when you start to see the wheels coming off, oh, they're just flying all the way off, you know, and that's frustrating to watch, too. It is It's very frustrating. But that's what happened the last 30 seconds of the third quarter. The Celtics were up seven and then they ended up up one. And part of that was that, you know, half court. What do you what do you think about this comparison? Okay, the Super Bowl Rams are the Warriors and the Bengals are the Celtics. I mean, you know, they had the vets and they made mistakes. I mean, Stafford threw two picks in that game and they still won. Think about think about golf. How many times have and we the seen Bengals golfers... couldn't execute when they needed to stuff? Right. So I don't know. How many me. times have we seen great golfers bury a ball into the sand trap or whatever, triple bogey, one hole, or not triple, but but do poorly on a two holes in a row, but then they birdie the final three because they know that the next the next shot they oh. hit is going to be the next great shot. That's and, that and, was Tiger's mark of you know, greatness. Oh, clearly. That's and, right. and I, I think, you know, I think that's kind of the I, I and I think that's what when we talk about a championship mentality that's really what we're talking about is yeah. it's, it's a fear it's it's a it's a lack of fear when you make a mistake because you know the I'll next you, shot that you're going to hit is going to be the one that's I don't know if you guys play poker but that's the mark of poker greatness yeah. too you got to have no fear and execute and if you make a mistake you keep going because you got to know the right thing keep doing the right thing it's going to work out yeah. at some point cornerbacks with short memories the guy beat me for a touchdown but the next time he comes at me I'm going to return it for a touchdown I mean it's yeah. just those, those are the, those are the things that, you know, make the difference between championship players and those who aren't is that, is that lack of fear and mistakes so the, happen or things go poorly, but how do you respond to that? And I, I think that is the, the mark of a championship team or player is how do you respond to the adversity? Cause it's going to show up. So, all right. So I have the Celtics winning game six. Paul has Warriors spoon. Uh, Warriors by 30. <laughs> Ooh. We should have a lightning bat. What one twelve to eighty two? Steph goes wow. for. I Steph makes at least seven three pointers. That would have, be you know if you want an over under bet, that's the one to kind of think about. I, to me, that would be a. I, I'm, I'm trying to pull it up right now to see what the over under is on the number of three points three pointers he makes because well, I, I, I his think average in those bounce back games that you mentioned, Paul, where. He does not go over very often, by the way, (laughs) but when he does the following game, he averages 5.5 three pointers. Well, and then most famously when he had those last over, he hit 13 of them. So in the finals. So, I mean, again, I'm not obviously looking at that, but to me, you know, those would be interesting. You know, those, if you're, if you're still the, you know, the, the kind of thing, the over under number of of threes he's going to make would be an interesting thing. It's also worth noting. Uh, we talked a little bit about this earlier and uh, MVP finals MVPs. Yeah. He's the only one who's minus, right? He's minus anywhere between 300 and 350. Everyone oh, else. Yeah. He's, he's going to win it even if they lose. Right. I think, I think Jalen, Jalen's <laughs> the next closest and he's like plus 320. Um, yeah. And then he's getting it no matter what. Yeah. I, it, 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 it does seem, it does seem kind of remarkable. I just looked well, it up. His, his over under for three pointers in game six is 4.5. Wow. Over. Me, that's over. Yeah. He's going to do that the first quarter. Well, because 
Because you know what? He's taken about 16 or 17. I was just about to say, he'll take 10 of them in the first quarter. So at some point, he's going to hit his average and it's going to be fun. That's right. (laughs) So let's dovetail this into the next part of the discussion, which Paul, Kevin and I started talking about this in our previous episode. And I said, you know, let's hold off until Paul is here. Steph Curry's place in the overall constellation of NBA greats. Kev, I mean, you might want to start with your opinion here because uh, we did disagree. Well, um, I'm sorry, but game five proved my point, right? I mean, he just disappeared, wasn't there. They, that, I mean, they took him away, but the great players can't be taken away. Kobe never got taken away by another team. Michael Jordan never got taken away by another team. I mean, Steph Curry just says, okay, I'm out. Like, that's I it. Really I, I do not see great so much as he, he He's just a great had a shooter. cold night. I mean, he missed some three points. Everybody has a cold night here and there. No, but, he, but uh, no, he didn't. He didn't make his team better in any significant way in that game. And I think that's to me that's the biggest thing. The other thing is is that Steph does not, you know, create his own shots like Jordan or like Kobe or like yeah. or like Hakeem or any of those guys. Right? They're they're able to create shooting and scoring in any possible way. I think. Steph will go down as I think he'll go down as the best shooter in the NBA, at least until somebody else comes along. I don't put him at the same level as as the great greats. No, he comes across as more of a scavenger to me. I mean, when the, when the game's out of hand, he will put his foot on your neck. I mean, that's, he's great at that. He's great at piling on, but I don't think in, in he creates game flows where he reverses the trend. Right. I think he can overcomes the obstacles of the game. He didn't do it in game five. Right. I think yeah. he can win a game for you, but only in one way. I don't think he can win a game for you in a way like Jordan could or like Kobe yeah. could or like a lot of other players could. You know, the, the great centers like Shaq or, or Akeem or, or any of those guys, those players who could, who could take a game on their shoulders and just transform it, even if you knew they were coming. I, I think Curry is, is, is able to change a game, but only in one way. Take that away from him. I don't think he can become a different well, kind of player. I'll say that he's a great passer. I mean, he is a great passer. I'm not going to say that he's not. But Yeah, I, I'm going to have to disagree, I guess, with both of you. And at this point Go in, for <laughs> in life, I'm not really a Steph Curry fan. Like, I don't like it. But when I watch him play, I mean, those guys didn't make three-pointers the way he does either. So sure. he, has, he definitely has a different kind of skill set. But you know, nobody does absolutely everything. And you do, you look at mm-hmm. like the flu game where Michael Jordan made six, three pointers or whatever it was, but he didn't do that all that often, you know? And I think Steph there, there is definitely a vein in his game where now game five is not the best example, of course, but he can look at you and say, you know, I'm shooting a three and I'm going to make that damn three anyway. And he's had many, many games sure. where he just does not miss. I mean, he's making these insane threes with a guy in his face. He just steps back to 24 feet, 26 feet, 28 feet, 30. I mean, yeah. when he's on, his range is limitless and he's draining them from everywhere. Um, and I think that does open up a lot of things for his team. You know, when he's hitting threes, I mean, a lot of other guys are open and just the, the whole game opens up for that team. Now, well, He's like 34 now, right? So, I mean, yeah. he, he doesn't necessarily create in the way that he once did. And I think it's a little unfair to select his worst game in 223 games to hold that up as kind of an example. 
That's, has he had literally has he had 223 finals games? I think he's had maybe 25. How how many? Okay, we're gonna we're gonna stray into some trivia very soon here. How many playoff games do you think Steph playoff. made a three pointer? How many consecutive playoff games? Like 130 something. Paul, you saw the same stats I did. 132. How many Great. playoff games did he make two or more threes in a row before game five? That one I don't know. 131. No. <laughs> 38. Okay. But, but but here's here's the thing. And and I don't I don't discount what you're saying, Spoon, but but the fact that Jordan didn't shoot a lot of threes or whatever, to me is in some ways a testament to the different kind of game that they played. In the early '90s, I mean, you had three points. That's where I was going next. Yeah, yeah, you had three point specialists among them, Steve Kerr. Um, but that notwithstanding, to me, here's the thing that 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 I think Curry is careless with the ball, and and much like Dan Marino in his life, in his career early on when he could thread the needle and nobody could intercept it. By the time he's going 61 to seven against Jacksonville, that's not working anymore. And 62 Curry, to seven. Yeah, Curry, sorry, Curry, sorry. Curry is getting into that point too, where he's becoming careless enough with the ball that his days as a point guard need to be limited and he needs to be a shooting guard. So to me, the, 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 the plays that he makes are good. But I, again, I, I feel like if, if he can change a game, which he can, it's in, a, it's in a very limited number of dimensions. But I will say this, if Golden State had a team in which they had a player at the rim, their inside out game could be literally unstoppable, but they choose not to play that way. And instead they have a Draymond, you know, six, eight, you know, playmaker, but imagine them, you know, they're talking about getting Rudy Gobert and as, and as bad as Rudy Gobert is on the block, just imagine having that kind of force in the middle with three shooters from the outside. You talk about a team that could be really unstoppable, but I, I love Curry. I, I love that he is, again, you know, they used to use the term pure, pure shooter and all that stuff. He can change a game, but in the way that just outside shooters can, and it's and it's different. It's not the same as being able to put a team on your shoulders that you know that that used to be the case. And and I think that's different. I think in the coming years, if you know, if if we see players who are able to to not just hit from the outside, but also go in and make their shots. I think that's what you're really going to see is kind of the best. Let me ask well, you a question. And, and just in fairness, you know, I I don't think he's as good as Jordan. Oh, I, you know, and yeah. I don't I don't put him up there among those elite elite, but he's a Reggie Miller type. I was just going to say player, he's Reggie Miller, know? right? But but when when other than a, you I'll know, still take Reggie Miller over stuff. But again, other than when you were going to, you know, see Reggie Miller, you know, sparring with Spike, how many times did Reggie Miller take over a game, right? They're just, they're not that many times. Well, what I, about, what about this question? I want Spoon to answer this one. So I think I said Steph isn't good at like changing the flow of games, but he may be credited with changing the way the game itself is played in the NBA, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. Now, is it more him or was the NBA sort of ready for that? And they sort of made him a star because they wanted the game to be that way. Well, it may be a little bit of both, but, but he yeah. plays a role because he yeah. is at least early in his career. He was so transformative in that role. I mean, he was the best three point shooter we'd ever seen, but mm, yeah. by far. Oh yeah. And so he led the game in that direction. And then, you know, the Dame Lillards and Clay Thompson and some of the other guys come behind him. Uh, but he yeah. was the guy that, you know, Charles Barkley for years would just sort of mock these teams that relied on the three-pointer. And he wasn't wrong, yeah. you know, because those teams never won the title. And then the Splash Brothers and 
Steph came along and changed that, and then and it's they like became the dominant. Run and shoot, yeah. Yeah. But think about this too: the the guy that I think other before Reggie Miller, before that we had that, you know, the guy who's largely and even Reggie Miller largely regarded as the best shooter, you know, a guy like Larry Bird or some of the others they didn't take 30 foot shots right sure. that was like if they took a 30 foot shot they'd get benched selfish uh, right yeah I, I think what you're talking about both of you is the idea that that's the kind of movement that the nba has come across you know how old i am but but i see a guy hit a shoot a 30 foot shot i'm like oh no but then he makes it and you're <laughs> like they make it all right i guess maybe that's your thing but yeah. you know I, I don't know if that's old school or just old but it's it's the same it's the same and I, I can't imagine that steve kerr doesn't feel the same way another guy who would set up you know toes on the three-point line and catch a pass and you know come off the, and he can't say no 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 oh good shot and yeah. and, and I, you know what's driving me nuts in this series in particular and both teams are, have done it a lot guys with wide open layups yeah and they don't take it they, they dish don't. it out to a three-point shooter <laughs> yeah. it's crazy especially like, like the, in the first half it's like take two i yeah. know and i know the metrics and the numbers and i'm a big believer in metrics and numbers but to me there's a oh my god take the layup if nothing else you're going to get a guy into foul trouble yeah. or it just it, it 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 does it's a different game that i think all three of us are used to and I don't, I don't know that I've yet bought into the methodology of a modern NBA game. Although I will say this, it's infinitely better than the sort of constant isolation, one guy yeah. on one side of the court. I'll take what's happening now yeah. over that a million times because that iso ball drives me insane. Yeah, the, the Rockets of a couple of seasons ago with Harden, it was just yes. like, okay, give me the ball. Yeah, I'm just going to hold it gonna... for 18 seconds and then jack up a three. Oh, awful. <laughs> so, Paul, just to put a bow on that part of the discussion, I think, and you can correct me, Kev, you said in our last episode you don't think Steph is a Hall of Famer. No, no, no. No, I said he's not a top 50 all time. Of course he's a Hall of Famer. Okay, so he is a Hall of Famer, but not top 50. Paul, where do you come in on that part of the discussion? I think they put him in the top 50. I, I, I would say that top 50 of all time, I put him in the lower echelon. I put him somewhere in the 40s to 50s. Again, he's okay. going to have a handful of rings. He's going to be a dominant player. He's, he's a three-time MVP. And, yeah. And, and he's just... He, he, he did play a role in changing the way the game is played. And he will go down, at least until somebody comes after him, as the best. I mean, he's already heralded by, by contemporary players as the best shooter that's ever happened. So I don't know how, how you can't, how it won't be considered that he's he, he is that. He is the best shooter, no doubt. But, so, but I, I don't know that in terms of, you know, he's obviously more than Steve Alford, but, but how much more? <laughs> He's not really a he's not really a point guard, even though we like to say that, and he's not a defensive player like at all. Right, right. Yeah, no. well, and, and let's be fair. I mean, the guy is what eleven years into his career now, so you know he's not quite the player that he was at his peak, but still pretty damn good. So ahead of Reggie Miller, no, no, I don't think so. I mean, it's hard to say because again, Miller was doing it at a time when nobody else was doing it. Whereas Curry's doing it at a time where everybody is throwing up threes mm -hmm. and, and he's the best at what he does, but I don't know that what he does is as revolutionary as when Reggie Miller or when Larry Bird was doing it. I just, I mm -hmm. don't, I don't think that what he's doing is it. He's the best at what he does now. There's no question in my mind about that, but I'm not sure that what he does now is 
revolutionary in the way that it would have been 10 years ago. Or 50 he, he's a super interesting guy. I mean, you know, he doesn't fit any particular, you know, preconceived notions of any kind of player. He's just a different kind of guy. I, you know, again, when I start thinking about top 50 or whatever, he's, he's not a very good defender. He's gotten better, but he's kind he's, of, he's sneaky. I mean, he's, he's not one dimensional cause he can pass and all that stuff, but I, I just, I don't see him as the complete player that I would need to see to be in the top 50. I, I would put him, I would put him ahead of Reggie Miller, just, uh, just on my list. And, and the dribbling the two balls when the pregame warm-up? I oh, mean, nobody well, sure. else does that. I mean, come on. I would be curious to see, and I don't, you know, I, I don't, you know, Reggie like, doesn't play the, the, the games because it's it's Mark Jackson and and and, and what's his face, uh, Van Gundy. But I would be curious to see what what a guy like Reggie Miller actually thinks of him. Because if, mm-hmm. if anybody holds Reggie Miller in high esteem, it's Reggie Miller. It's I, Reggie, would curious, right. <laughs> I would be curious to see, you know, what Reggie Miller thinks about his position in terms of his place in the game and things like that. The problem with asking guys that these days is they all feel compelled to just overstate the case for the guy who's currently playing because they all want this, you know, feedback for each other and they make each other feel great. So it's like Bruce Smith had to say great things about Tony Vaselli to get him into the Hall of Fame, which happened. And now Bruce Smith is retracting all that. It's just, <laughs> I was totally kidding. He was. Yeah, it was I mean, garbage. Well, all right, listen, let me, let me, uh, let me ask a, a trivia question or two based on this, and then we'll we'll pivot to okay. something different. Okay. Um, because I came in armed and ready for Kev and the anti-Steph Curry. <laughs> um, so we, we already talked a little bit about the streak, which was broken the other night, and we'll we'll resume anew tomorrow night. Sure. All-time sure. three-pointers. Obviously, Steph is number one. Ray Allen, number two. R- very good. Ray Allen, number two. Can you name the next couple of guys reggie miller's up there he's got to be up there somewhere in the top seven yeah reggie is number four there's one other guy mm. sneaking his way in there not steve kerr oh no no we're talking about a guy who is still actively sneaking lillard or no mm, no, no oh uh a bit, a bit, a bit. Mm. you're close larry bird kind of oh well you blew it <laughs> <laughs> Paul, you got anybody else? I was I was trying to get get around, and then you distracted me with the do, do close. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know. James Harden. Oh, Harden. Wow. Oh, okay. James Harden like uh, passed twenty seven percent three point shooter. Yeah. How does he have the? Oh, I know. It's insane. Well, he's third. You know, he's third. Games. He's, he's third. Yeah, he fumbled his way past Reggie Miller this year. Seriously, I he's got to be just, like a twenty seven percent three point shooter. Just ugly awfulness. Okay, so. um Another little Steph tidbit here. It's pretty tough to make 11 three-pointers in a game. Doesn't happen all that often. You know how many times Steph has done that? 16 times. Well, you might be right because I was looking at a, a, an article that is somewhat dated, but... I'll take, I'll the, take the over. <laughs> the, number, the number I have is 12. Okay. 12 times. Do you know... Let me put it this way. Has any other player done it more than once? 11 times 11 in a game yeah i would guess one other person did it ray allen may have done it once i don't know well he, or yeah. twice i mean yeah yeah he, he did it once probably yeah. harden right if he's you know if we're talking about no oh wow two guys have Not done it twice up. give me a team give me a team uh one of them is currently in the finals <laughs> oh clay clay yeah and that, yeah. the other one? Yeah. 
I saw this the other day. I can't remember. I, my, my mind and my eidetic memory is failing me, but I saw this the other day. Dame uh, time. Dame yeah. Lillard. Oh, the guy so, I just said. Okay. So he has six times as many yeah. as the next player. Uh, 11 three-pointers or more. Selfish, in greedy, SOB. He's, he's pretty what good. Was the average, what was the average score of those games in game differential? They were probably, <laughs> he was yeah. probably just cherry-picking. and They won a lot of them. All right, James Harden, by the way, 36% career free throw shooter. Never shot better than 36.5% in his career. Pretty good. You mean three-pointers? Three-pointers, rather. Yeah, he just keeps chucking them. Let me throw one more out there just real quick. It's also – it's pretty tough to make a three-point shot in 100 or more consecutive games. (laughs) I would say. (laughs) As as we noted, Steph – his streak ended at 223 consecutive games. He had another streak in his career of more than a hundred games. Only one other player has made a three pointer in a hundred or more consecutive games. Ray Allen. Can you name that player? That would be my guess. Not Ray Allen. Hmm. Dirk Nowitzki. No, but that's, that's an interesting guess. Big man. Yeah. You are correct in your thinking to dig deep on this one. Like I was a, trying to go off the track guy for the Nuggets. Is it a current player? Believe it is current, but his streak was uh, a decade ago. Oh, okay. So somebody who was good. And then what about the Fresh Prince? What's that? No, he's retired. And you talk about your three-point specialist, Paul. This is the guy. Uh, Comes in not. and does nothing but shoot three-pointers. <laughs> I can't remember his name. Horton. Or... Oh, oh, you're close, Kev. You're close. Is it the Lakers guy? I think it was the Hawks. Oh, oh, um, oh, oh, oh he might have jumped around a little bit, but I'm I'm thinking Hawks. Paul, what you got? Uh, uh, Not Horton, know. but a name that sounds a little bit like Horton. Uh, Horton. Horton. <laughs> I don't know. Kyle Corver. Oh, oh, wow. Sixers guy. Yeah, Corver. Oh, yeah, truly a three-point. Yeah, that guy. Okay, very good. Yeah. He was that. That's that right. the epitome of three. So, so put, he's the only other guy with more than a Honda? Yeah, 127 the, games. He wow. played for the Cavs, right? Wasn't he on their championship? Played for like eight. I think so, yeah. He's jumped yeah. around a little bit. He's the uh, he's the Fitzmagic of the NBA. Oh, pour oh. some out for Fitzmagic. Yeah, yeah that's right. right. Got to throw my uh, every episode a little nod to Fitzmagic. <laughs> right up there with Kyle Corver. Um, right up there with Kyle. <laughs>